0: Something a little bit different coming up to you in the space where we would normally have a preach. That would be kind of now, um, because we did a little exercise uh, as part of a kind of leadership team thing that we have done, where we asked God to affirm us in things that we were doing. And I got to this passage today um, about four months ago, and uh, this was really what my prayer was. Um, for the last few months and in this context of this group we were asked to, to ask God what do you want what are you saying well done at and, uh, and I, I thought this through and I thought well actually this passage um, although we could take the whole of it and run through with Romans you can never really go further than three or four verses and, and then you've just got too much to talk about so uh, today I'm going to talk to you from 12, Romans 12 verses 9 to 13 and uh, but first I want to tell you a little bit about gold if you've got some gold and you want to make sure that it is real and not fake There's some tests that you can do. One is the stamp test. You look for a little imprint from the manufacturer. The next one is the acid test, which you can uh, place liquid nitric acid on it and see if it goes green or not to determine whether it's real. You can do a magnet test. If your gold is magnetic, uh, then it's not gold. It's fake. Uh, You can do a float and rust test. Um, or you can do a skin test. If you wear gold and your skin turns a different color, uh, then it's fake. And you can also do a guaranteed test, which is my favorite, because you take it to the jeweler and they say, that's gold or that's not. So there's six steps. There's six ways, although you could just skip to the last one, I suppose. And it's really easy to do that with a passage like Romans. You could just skip to the end and just take one bit as the, oh, that proves it, we're doing that, that's good. But actually, there's six things there. And uh, as I went through this passage, I came up with ten things that kind of Prove that we are uh, in line with what is being requested, and I was grabbed by the text a short while ago, um, like I said, and the phrase that is in the first verse from the text I'm looking at, "Let love be genuine," is kind of etched onto my mind. And you probably know about Paul, Paul the Apostle. He uh, wrote to Christians in Rome, that's why he wrote the book Romans, and he's a big player in the first century church planting. Uh, across the Mediterranean and beyond, and he's sharing the fantastic news of the gospel, the, the news that we're going to share at Crisscross and the news they're going to share at New Day 2,000 years later was shared um, by Paul, among many others, all around the region at that time. And they shared about how Jesus came in the flesh and lived the perfect life as this God-man. And they shared about how he went through everything we've gone through how he took our sin and our shame and our guilt on the cross and then died having been crucified. And they shared about how he was resurrected three days later, and that was the reason for the hope that they had, the reason for sharing the gospel in the first place. And having planted many churches, well, it just kept growing. The news just kept going and being shared around by Paul and others. And you'll hear all about Paul next term when we do... Uh, culture of Mission, all about mission, continued, and we'll see where he went and what he did. But in his letters, you can read about loads of encouragements and instructions and a few rebukes as well, to which he writes to Christians in churches at the time. And in Romans 12, Paul encapsulates what it means to live a life that pleases God in response to that wonderful news of the gospel, the gospel of grace that he's shown us. And today, I'm going to walk you through Romans 12, 9 to 13 and just provide uh, some encouragements for you with particular emphasis on what God is doing and has done among the children of this church and the young people. And so I'm going to invite some youth leaders up as well to share testimonies. So let me pray, and then we'll get straight into it. Father God, I do thank you that we're able to... Take all of that we're going to read today and point it back to you, and thank you for it, and glorify you for it, God. And I thank you that you have embedded this stuff into the DNA of King's Church, and that it all springs from your Son, Jesus. It all springs from the fact that He is alive, and our faith and trust is in Him. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, come, speak to us, encourage us, inspire us. In your name, we pray. Amen. Great. So let's read Romans 12: 9 to 13, and. Uh, just getting a little bit edgy this is the esv version so it says let love be genuine abhor what is evil hold fast to what is good love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor do not be slothful in zeal be fervent in spirit serve the lord rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation be constant in prayer contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. So, like I say, the passage continues to the end of the chapter with a similar kind of pattern, similar theme, where Paul describes more attributes of what it means to um, live a life redeemed by Jesus, to live a life of a believer, a follower of Christ. And we can't get through them all, but these next 10 are simply the statements expanded by way of encouragement for you. And there's simply one point and that is go for gold. We're going for gold nuggets of God's glory in this passage, and I've got 10 of them to highlight to you and show you how Jesus is working among us. And of course, we're not perfect, no church is, but we can definitely celebrate this stuff together. So here we go. Number one, we are learning to hate evil and love good. The first phrase that jumped out, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, Jump, say with me, and God loves it. He, God loves good and He hates evil, and that's why He hates sin so much. And that's why when we encounter sin, it actually can abhor. It can make us sort of ugh, lurch backwards and go, "Oh, that's not very nice at all." And it's part of God's character. He hates sin. He hates what is evil, and. A little while ago at our youth group, Impact, I was preaching, and some of them go well, and others I just think, oh dear, that was just terrible. Uh, but for this one that I was writing a while ago, the title was Love God, Hate Sin. And I didn't have a great deal of faith for it at the time, and I even used an 80s song called Love God, Hate Sin by Mylon and Broken Hearts. and some people are like, oh yes, I know that one, um, and others not. I took this example of this song, which sings all about my theme. Anyway, we played the YouTube clip with the long hair and the rocking guitar and all that kind of stuff. Uh, And like I said, I didn't really have a great deal of faith that this message would go very far, but young people responded on that evening to the gospel and put their faith in Jesus. And it was something that God highlighted to me in this little nugget, that the simplicity of that message, love God, hate sin, is not going anywhere. It's not going out of fashion anytime soon. And those who responded ran towards what was good and they turned away from what was evil. They ran to their refuge. They ran to Jesus. They knew he was right and good and they ran to him. And at Impact and Friday Club and Crisscross and The Hub, we're preaching this message. Love what is good, hate what is evil, and hold on tight to the good stuff. And that's my first bit of gold. My first bit of gold is Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And we're seeing it happen. We're preaching that message. Go for God. Go good. Second little nugget is this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Now, it's not always easy to love your brother or sister. And that's why Paul declares it is a mark of being redeemed by Christ. It's almost natural. If you've got a brother or sister, uh, loving loving my brother with brotherly affection when I was younger was pretty difficult. Um, But Jesus... Being the master of this, of course, is our model. He's the one we can look to. And he knows that sometimes brothers and sisters in Christ are going to push your buttons. Sometimes they're just going to be careless with their words or simply wind you up. But this instruction is in there for a reason. And having thought about the next nugget, I was blessed with a memory of a wonderful example. And I'm going to ask Naomi just to come and share a little bit about that. And it refers to a time at impact. Over to you, Naomi.
1: I actually have two that I thought about when I um, when I actually had a think about this because one of them is just a more general growing one of um, uh, some of the youth who are kind of growing and becoming more more mature Christians. Actually, how I've seen how they they have put in an effort to include people that aren't maybe so centrally part of the the sort of main group. Maybe they're people that are coming from outside church. There's people that are a bit different from them. Maybe they're people that are, you know, difficult to get along with. And actually, one of the real marks that I feel like I've seen of them growing to be more like Jesus and growing in this brotherly affection is actually them, even when they don't really feel like it, like, including them in the groups when they're doing games um, and the other incident which I think Quincy was actually referring to is we were um, I did a talk about marriage and actually what what marriage means sort of what it's a symbol of Christ and the church but also you know what, what are the good things about marriage between a man and a woman and actually at the end it's sort of acknowledging that a lot of people had been impacted by the ways in which marriage has broken down in this world. And, you know, a lot of people were kind of mourning about the fact that maybe their parents, you know, they weren't together anymore, there'd been, you know, difficult divorces, that they'd been damaged by that. Um, so some people were, re- you know, were having to, you know, we were praying over them. Some people were quite upset about it. They were crying. But just seeing actually the other youth, Comforting them, bringing them tissues, you know, praying over them without being asked, um, bringing them Bible passages, bringing them words of comfort that they'd receive from God. All of this just really highlighted how God is actually growing them and is maturing them and is um, developing in them this brotherly love that actually isn't natural to us as humans.
0: Thank you. Great. I'll pop. It. Yeah. Thank you very much. This is wonderful news for us. <laughs> Because it doesn't just happen at uh, impact, it happens across the church. People supporting one another, comforting one another, showing brotherly and sisterly affection. And it happens in life group, and we've got a life group reboot going on. And if you're not in one, I'd encourage you, get into a life group. This will become a reality for you as well. But the amazing thing about that particular testimony, which I love, is that clearly we're building a culture. We're building this into what we do as a church from every age range upwards, and that is care for one another bring them a tissue, put your arm around them, look after them. And of course, sometimes we'll blunder in it, of course. We'll get our words wrong sometimes. Maybe at life group, the cat will interrupt your prayers, just like it did at our life group last week. But that's real life. Genuine brotherly and sisterly affection sometimes has little interruptions like that. But it's a nugget. It's another bit of gold that points us to God and goes, "Ah, oh God, you've put this in us as a church. So thank you Naomi for that. Number three, the third nugget is this, outdo each other in showing honour. Now again, like I said, siblings like to be competitive sometimes, Uh, But I don't think I ever outdid my brother in having to show him honor or wanting to show him honor. That wasn't really high on my list. It was always either beat him at football or beat him at a computer game or beat him at something else. Try and outdo him in all sorts of things. Last week on my stag do, I deliberately bumped him over in my bubble football bubble, uh, which was hilarious. Uh, But I I haven't really ever tried to uh, outdo him in honoring him. And it's sort of a counterintuitive thing when you think of maybe brothers and sisters, but. For believers, this is different. For us who follow Jesus, it's a different story. And once again, a golden nugget comes to mind, another memory. And that is um, when I was part of Friday Club uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago now actually, um, they used to play a game where they would take a ball or a sweet or something and a person in the group would pass that to someone else in the group. And when they pass it to them, they would tell them something that they like about that person or something that is encouraging about that person to them. And it would build them up. And in Impact, uh, just recently, we've adopted this same game of taking a sweet, I think the most recent one we did was a mini-egg. So everyone got a mini-egg. And then you passed your mini-egg to someone else. And you said, I like you because you're fun. Or I think you're really great because you laugh and you make other people laugh. Or, and it was an encouragement. It was showing honor. It was just honoring that person for who they were or something they'd done particularly to honor you back. And again, it's genuine. It's sincere. I think people might get the impression that at youth groups and children's groups, it's all like children running everywhere and like balloons popping and like fireworks going off and stuff like that. But there, there's none of that. It's actually a genuine and sincere moment uh, in these group settings when we get, um, get this game on the go. And again, I, 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 you know, I'm sad that you don't see it, but I, I wanted you to know about it because it's a really helpful thing to do. Maybe you can even carry that nugget into life group. So Paul invites the Romans to do the same. That's why he writes it in this passage, outdo each other in showing honor. And there's a young lady, in fact, in our youth group who's only just recently become a Christian who is brilliant at this. You know, there's some people who just naturally kind of it wells up in them to compliment and say well done to other people. Well, there's a girl who's only just recently found Jesus who does this, and uh, I wanted to encourage you with her as well. She's coming a new day, which is great. So uh, number four, the fourth nugget, the fourth thing that we can be encouraged about is, uh, is slightly longer. It says, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Paul instructs the Romans to avoid being lazy, but instead of that, be passionate in serving the Lord. And again, I want to encourage you we're doing this. I went to the banquet not so long ago, uh, and that was fantastic. It was thrown to celebrate all who serve on a Sunday. And I think the percentage was 80% of people serving on a Sunday. We're not lazy about this. We've got stewards. We've got young people running their AVs and on the PA sometimes. And it's a church wide encouragement for us. And did you know there are 23? I'm just looking at Claire a little bit. 23 helpers from Kings, is that correct? At Crisscross, yeah. I haven't got the number. No, okay. Something around, something around, there. around 23 helpers are giving up their time next week to serve Crisscross and be here. And that's amazing. 23 people willing or more willing to serve the Lord by supporting the Crisscross Cross Holiday Club and now 65 children attending. Amazing. So that's our fourth one. Our fifth one is this, rejoice in hope. At King's Church, we, we find that people uh, hope in Jesus Christ, which is a good thing. Uh, and it's his character, it's his perfection, it's his sacrificial life. It's the things we preach about week after week, which we celebrate and can celebrate every day. And, Even in the dark times, like Dale and Tim have been saying in the last couple of weeks, we still praise the Lord. We still rejoice in the hope of what is to come. And even what we were singing earlier on, uh, just about God doing again what he's done before. Putting our faith in him again to see us through difficult situations, hard times. uh, That is part of what we do. And it's what God has put in us. It's another gold nugget. And nowadays at Kings, we're rejoicing in The fact that we have new believers among us as well and i just wanted to update you another golden nugget for you because since doing alpha uh, a number of people we had 11 roughly people on average at alpha a person has responded to the gospel and is now following christ we just finished just looking this week and now another person has put their faith in christ we um have been doing the hub christian union at oxford school for the number of years that i've been working here and way back in time before i was here and we've seen four people from the hub at the Christian Union at School come to join us on a Friday night at Impact. We've seen two of those become Christians. We've seen one of those recommit. And the fourth one is coming to New Day with us next week. So God is doing some amazing stuff. We can rejoice in the hope of what is to come. We can praise Jesus for that. And he's the reason. He saved us. He continues to do so. But there's another gold nugget for you. And, of course, we have to learn to rejoice in hope um, through pain and anguish as well. I remember singing that song, um, You Are Good, 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 Oh, oh, and carrying on. Oh, 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 anyway. Uh, <laughs> sometimes that annoys me, sometimes it doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> but I remember singing the, um, I remember singing it when my grandparents died. I remember when one of my grandparents died and just singing, it's hard to sing that you are good when friends are no longer around. And, and just pushing through, rejoicing in hope has been one of those things that's really stuck with me personally this year is, Despite everything that has happened, he is good. Um, Six, number six, sorry, nugget, here we go. Be patient in tribulation. We're going through it if you're following it in the scripture. Be patient in tribulation. Another one, and this time I'm going to invite Neil to come up and just tell us about his experience of being patient in tribulation.
2: So, my testimony also actually relates to number four, uh, particularly the serving the Lord bit. And this is because I'd grown to believe the lie that that meant you always had to be actually doing stuff, like in the church, going to impact doing stuff for the Christian Union at work and things like that. And that kind of showed that you were being... Um, faithful to God in that way Um, but then um, as many of you will know I fell ill back in February and um, had to take five months off work and um, was just feeling very tired all all of the time so I wasn't I was literally physically incapable of doing all of those things that I'd come to associate with serving the Lord and um, I couldn't go to Impact to help out, I couldn't even make it to church on a Sunday and that was really getting me down and um, really frustrating me, I was getting annoyed at the fact that I was ill and that I wasn't getting better and um, not, well it was kind of like getting angry at God that he wasn't healing me because how could I serve him if I was um, just lying around at home all, all of the time, but um, he very graciously over those months was speaking to me through various people and um, through books that I read and the Bible and so on and showing me that um, the route of serving the Lord is actually having a really good relate- personal relationship with him and then all of those things that you can do like as act, active things should come out of that rather, rather than being the focus they should be more the kind of result and so that enabled me to see that actually I could still serve the Lord even if I was lying on my back in bed because I could still talk to him I could still hear from him I could still um, pray for others and myself as well and um, understanding that more enabled me to have this um, patience with what i was going through and just say okay lord I, I trust you that if you actually want me to go out and do some of this stuff that i have been doing then you will heal me in order to enable me to do it rather than um, you know just getting frustrated all of the time so. mm, thank you
0: Good. yeah you give me a round of applause Thanks, Neil. Yeah. So patient in tribulation. (laughs) Moving on to our seventh gold nugget, our seventh encouragement, prayer. Be constant in prayer is the phrase. William Law said, he who has learned to pray has learned the greatest secret of a holy and happy life. And if you like praying, we've got a week of prayer coming up in September. It starts on the 11th. And Jesus has taught us to pray. He was big On prayer. We'll be looking at it more in the future. And you probably know the Lord's Prayer, but in case you don't, it's in Matthew 6, 9 to 13, and other places. You can look it up. And at Kings, we do like prayer. We have prayer and shares in every month, and uh, every term we have a week of prayer. But how often are you in constant prayer? This was the question that I asked myself when putting this together. And I thought, you know what, probably not as much as I should be or could be. But then turning it around, the affirmation came from God. No, you you do pray you do take time, you do that. And I think sometimes we get a little bit hung up on the things that we don't do. And God actually, you can start to feel bad of not doing this stuff. But actually, again, I wanted to um, reestablish the fact that God affirms it when we pray. He does love that and he does want to encourage you in it. And in the text, the last three nuggets are actually linked. It says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Whether you're hopeful for something or going through tribulation, prayer is the answer. It is the response. And just recently, um, I kind of got another, um, how would you put it, probably another angle on what it means to be in constant prayer. And last, night, uh, last week, one of the evenings, I was driving back from Croydon and I came across um, an accident, which had just happened uh, moments earlier. And the casualty had been hit by a car and was unconscious on the floor, and people were waiting for the ambulance to come. He was all in the right positions and all that. I suddenly had that flashback to first aid training, what do I do? But people actually had that part under control. And there were people just who'd come and were standing at a slight distance. Um, and suddenly the spirit just got hold of me, and I, I was looking at it thinking, what can I do? And I just heard God say, pray. And so I turned to this guy next to me, and I went, we need to pray for this guy. And he kind of went, like, what? Because he was just kind of golfing at what was going on. And then another person was him, we need to." I said, we need to pray for him. Let's pray for him. Let's pray together. And uh, I said, right, let's pray on three, <laughs> like it was a prayer meeting. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and they're both looking at me like, oh, it's this guy. <laughs> like, anyway, I started praying like I'm in a prayer meeting, going, God, we pray that you heal his body, heal him, help him, save him. And they're like, yeah, God, help. I was <laughs> like, okay. But, uh, but it, it was, these people actually started to say, God help, God help, God God help. And it, it was like, it was like they were newborn babies. It was like it was coming out of their mouth and they were like, God help, help. They couldn't quite even say, they didn't know who they were talking to. Like, I do not know, but it was one of those moments that was just like a goosebump moment, you know, like where God's spirit just comes and there's like, we're crying out to God and there's people here who don't know a thing about him, but they're crying out to God. Anyway, continued to pray, um, turned to some more people, got there, asked them to pray and then went and kind of sorted some traffic out, and when the policeman came to take over from me doing the traffic, uh, I, I decided to stay and continue praying. And so again, much like a prayer meeting, I'm in the middle of the road, and I'm just walking up and down, praying. I'm like, God save him, God help him, God heal his body. And I just, and there's people like around, like, what is this guy doing? He's just walking up and down. But the, the point being, I was, I was just gripped. I was constant in prayer. You couldn't have pulled me away from that situation. That, that was the thing. And uh, the mother, the, the lad who'd been hit, turned up and she was nearly, you know, distressed and really affected and emotional right? And I, I said, Look, I've been here since your son got hit by the car. I've been praying for him. Do you want me to pray for you? And she said, Oh, yes, please pray. And, and she starts going, God, God, help me, help him. And she started praying. And then her, her daughter and her son, we prayed as well. And then the driver of the car, we prayed as well. Then the grandparents showed up, we prayed as well. We, these people started crying out to God, and I, I got the number of one of his mates who was there just so I could keep updated, and uh, he's doing all right. He, um, he had to go into a coma, and then uh, when the swelling went down, they had to bring him out of the coma, and they've done that, and he's breathing on his own. And uh, yeah, just this, these people were crying out to God, and they, they were constant in prayer, and so was I, um, by the side of the road, and walking up and down. And I must have been there for over an hour, just praying, just walking up and down, Within feet, I was as far as I am from Neil, of this person, just, just walking up and down, praying while they worked on him. But it just gave me a new insight on what it means to be constant in prayer. When, something re- when you really, really need something to happen, when you're crying out for God like Kevin did, uh, you know, to heal, heal you or heal someone, it changes the atmosphere. The, it changes the situation that you're in. And it occurred to me that I actually had underestimated prayer probably for some time and that Even though we're probably constant in prayer, some of the time, we're not all the time in that sense. Um, And whether praying for something good, rejoicing, or praying for something bad, it makes a difference when we pray. And I discovered that even people who know nothing of God would pray to him in tribulation. And they deeply appreciated a Christian standing in the middle of the road, walking up and down, praying for their son. So I just wanted to encourage you again. We've got prayer as a priority in church. Let's keep it where it needs to be. That's number seven. Number eight is this. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Gold, again. The needs of the saints have been met by people in this church many, many times. From more recent times where uh, people have supplied homes and food and support emotionally and for families and so on, to a little while ago and even further back, Um, like when our youth group started up a charity called Crossover Zimbabwe Support. And this was about seven years ago, and they decided to raise money for for the the guys in Zimbabwe by walking around Master Park tied together. And hopefully a photo will come up behind me uh, of that. There they are. And there I am, looking seven years younger than I am now, which is great. Um, I haven't changed, I know. Uh, And so they walked around and they raised money, and then they walked up Tillgate... Tissy Hill, that's the one, uh, and then they came down the other side, and, uh, and also seven years ago, um, Jordan, who's now leaving our youth group to go on to being a proper adult, uh, was there as well, having a great time. So Jordan, have you got your photo of you frolicking? Ah, she's lovely, uh, and I couldn't miss the opportunity to embarrass her a little bit before she moves on, so, <laughs> but it was great, it was great, it was really, really good, and I, I got involved with this, I was there, it was kind of when I'd only just joined the church, but. They raise money to contribute to the saints overseas, and that's not an unfamiliar pattern. You see of it, you read of it in the New Testament. Churches sending money, Paul's often orchestrating it or taking the money to them. And even though our equivalent is bake sales and sponsored walks, uh, like Dale did this earlier this year as well, um, it's still a biblical and powerful thing to do. Not to mention um, funds that were contributed to support. Um, the family in Zimbabwe, the Westgate Church in Zimbabwe, and other things like that. That's number eight, contribute to the needs of the saints. We're doing that. Now, number nine is seek to show hospitality. Um, and I got arrested last week, not by the police, um, but by, by the Holy Spirit uh, on a Monday. Uh, and it was literally like he grabbed my arm and made me do this, which was funny, because we were at the, uh, the center, King's Church, center and at the end of the day this guy just showed up and we were having a bit of a meeting and he just came to the window didn't have anywhere to stay young guy younger than me and um, I was in that meeting and I, I gotta be honest for the rest of the meeting I wasn't really that focused on what we were doing because I was thinking about this this person and what God wanted me to do about it and God reminded me of the phrase let your love be genuine or let love be genuine and so when I had a chat with this guy uh, after the meeting, it turned out he'd been kicked out of his job, had nowhere to stay that night, just needed somewhere to sleep, um, didn't want to sleep on a park bench. And so I, I, I was like, right, go into proactive mode, don't you? Look on, uh, right, we're going to go to Travel Lodge in Whiteleaf. And so off he went, we went to Travel Lodge in Whiteleaf. He's got his guitar and his bag and everything in the car. Got to Whiteleaf, no rooms at the Travel Lodge in Whiteleaf. Starting to think of a biblical pattern here. Uh, and then I got back in the car with him, and I said, Alex, uh, there's no rooms here. So I'm going to search on Google, but first I'm going to pray. And I went, right, God, show me where you want Alex to go and stay. I'll pay for his room. Hit Google search, no rooms. I went, right then, looks like you're coming home with me. And so off we went, up to my flat in Caterham, and I don't, I've never done this before in my life, uh, took him home, and he brought his guitar in, sees my guitar, and uh, gets his guitar out, starts playing guitar. I was like, do you like pizza? Yeah, I like pizza. All right, we'll make some pizza. So he did that, and we played some guitar, and uh, he just opens my music book, and he starts playing 10,000 Reasons, and I start, I've got my guitar, and I played 10,000 Reasons with him, first worship song he's ever sung in his life, uh, enjoyed it, uh, had some pizza, Uh, decorating my flat at the moment, so uh, he looked around a bit, and he went, oh, it needs needs to be painted, and I was like, oh, thanks, (laughs) no, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, it does, and uh, he said, right, let's paint it together, and so got a roller, started painting my bedroom, while he was painting my bedroom, I said, do you mind if I tell you my testimony, like what God's done in my, life?" he's like, no, it's fine, go ahead, told him my testimony, can I explain the gospel to you? Yeah, go on, I'm open-minded, go for it, explain the gospel, Uh, finished painting the room, he did a cracking job by the way. Uh, and got to the end of the evening and uh, I said, hey, look, it's not too late. Would you, like to watch some, would you like to watch some videos? I've got some cool videos you can watch. And he was like, yeah, sure. So um, another beer. He has a beer. And uh, sat down and watched Alpha. Uh, who is Jesus? And then, we, and then we watched Alpha, Why Did Jesus Die? Uh, then, this is all true, I promise you. Uh, and then into the evening, he goes, I've got to rethink everything. I was like, all right, great. So anyway, next day, coming down to Oxted, and it um, starts to rain. And he goes, is it going to rain? I was like, yeah. And uh, God says to me, give him your jacket. And I love my blue jacket. <laughs> but I gave it to him. And, uh, and I just, again, like I say, would, this, doesn't, this isn't me. This is God actually getting a hold of me and going, these are the things that you need to do now. I couldn't drive that verse from my head. What you did for these, you did for the what you did for the least of these, you did for me. Anyway, seeking to show hospitality, won't lie to you, I wasn't seeking to. I tried to take him to a travel lodge. (laughs) It it wasn't what I was trying to do. But the winning phrase, "Let your love be genuine," overrode that. Overrode that, and uh, and that's what happened. I've got his email address, so I'm going to follow up, see how he's doing. Uh, I haven't seen him since, incidentally. Um, But if you see him around, it's called Alex. He knows where Yash is, which is one of our partner churches. So that's number nine. Seek to show hospitality. If this was a test by God as a teacher, it would probably say, could do better or see me. And I think that's what he was trying to help me with, with that story. He was just showing me that it is possible, but obviously I had to have faith. I have to have faith that he wasn't going to try and, like, rob me or kill me, or something like that. You know, the worst things go through your mind, but actually, if you can hammer that with, yeah, but God, yeah, but God. If you can hammer that away, then you can do these things. Um, You know, I think if I tried to do it, I would have fluffed it up, but because God was in it, he made it work. Number 10, the last one, let love be genuine. In April, I got a slot in the prayer room at the week of prayer. Ashley runs these 24-7 prayer rooms, and I got there at 6 a.m., and I continued till 8 a.m., and in April, I was frustrated. I'd not been wholeheartedly seeking God for some time, and I'd started to feel a bit numb. And it was then that I, completely, I was completely blunt with God. I just knelt down in that prayer room in Amy Road, and I said, God, I don't want to be like this anymore. I don't want to feel numb anymore. I want to get back into this. I want to be intimate with you again. And I, I read that phrase, let love be genuine, and that became my prayer. God, let my love be genuine. Let me be genuinely interested in what other people are doing. Let me be genuinely um, seeking you to worship you. Let me be genuinely praying for your kingdom to come. And that being genuine has become more of reality, as you can tell more recently, um, through that prayer. And so, my last gold nugget, the last thing that I think kind of overarches all of this, is let love be genuine and we've been testing out this passage in Romans to see if God has embedded some gold in us as a church across the age ranges and upon testing ourselves against Paul's criteria i think we can be encouraged and affirmed i think it's a well done <laughs> at this point in time be encouraged by that so hopefully you've been built up and motivated by some of these accumula- accumulative encouragements and uh, there're evidences that jesus is making a difference that he's changing the atmosphere he's changing the culture and that he's alive and that he's doing things Through us. We can't ignore it. We've put it to the test. It's genuine, and it's genuine because Jesus is genuine. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't know about this Jesus guy. I don't know if it's actually all real. It is. It is genuine. When we let our love be genuine, we hate evil. We love good. We love one another. We outdo each other in showing honor. We are not lazy, but keen to serve Jesus. We rejoice in dark times despite the outside world. We become patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. We help other saints and show greater hospitality. We let our love be genuine. And that's what we've got to do. That's where we've got to start. We've got to let Jesus do this by his spirit in our hearts. He's got to let us be, help us be genuine. He showed us how he genuinely loved us by dying on the cross, by coming to take our sin upon himself so that we could be free to do this. And it doesn't make sense. Even doing Just Looking a week or two ago, the person on the course with me was like, that's not fair on Jesus. He's done nothing wrong. He shouldn't have to go through that. But he did, and he chose to because he loves you. And it was as if a light just went on because they went, I, what? Jesus died on the cross because he loved me. It's like a moment of revelation for that person. So in conclusion, why can our love be genuine? Because God's love for his people is genuine. We are going to worship in a moment. But first, I think there's a challenge in here for all of us. Will I let God transform me? Will I let God free me? Will I let God enable me to be absolutely genuine in myself and in my love for others? Will I let God Do the test for real gold in my heart? Will I let him weigh me? Will I let him change me? Will I let God's genuine love fill me by his spirit so that I leave this place renewed in mind and heart? Will I say, Lord, I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be like you. I want to be genuine. So, all I'm going to ask while Jim just plays in the background there before we sing is that if you want this transformation to take place by God's Holy Spirit, if you want him to come and do a work in you again or for the first time, and I'd like you just to stand up now, wherever you are. And while you stand, reflecting your heart to God, we're going to wait for him to do it. We're going to wait for God to come and transform us again and then we're going to sing one last song. And you might not know what to pray at this point, so I'm just going to pray and you can either echo my prayer or you can say it in your own words. Father God, my mind flicks back to a time when I was on my knees, numb and out for the count in many ways. And I ask you... I asked you to come and change me. I said to you, I don't want to be like this anymore. I want to be different. I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. Let my love be genuine like yours is for me. Come and transform me. Come and refine me. Come, Holy Spirit, pour into my heart again. Renew me in body and mind and spirit. Come, refine as fire. Change me. We love you. Amen.